and welcome back to Real Clear with Dr. Klein, the crossroads of politics and psychology. If you would like to listen to ad-free episodes and have access to daily and weekly releases, essays, and other membership perks, and you also want to help in the production of this program, go to realclearpodcast.com and click subscribe. There are a lot of places in this world where you can put your money, and so I thank you for considering membership to realclearpodcast.com. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Good morning, folks. It is Sunday, September 17th, 2023, and I'm coming to you slightly upset, maybe even a lot upset, and I think I do some of my best work when I'm upset. Um, I don't recommend spending your life that way. I certainly try not to. But how do you look around at what's going on in this country right now and not feel angry? And anger is an important emotion because it helps you recognize where the boundaries of proper reality stand. And it does the same thing when you're a child, by the way. No and anger are the first things that help you identify when you are you and the boundaries between you and other. So let's talk about a few things this morning that are on the Richter scale of what's important. Immigration, as well as crime and the cultures behind crime. The intrepid representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was speaking in New York City next to the also intrepid Gerald Nadler and trying to tell the idiots, the morons who were protesting outside of their news press conference just how good of a thing it was that the immigrants were flooding into New York City without a place to be, without an economic system, without any way of absorbing the impact. And they just couldn't get across to these people who were chanting, ignorantly chanting to close the border, uh, that they really didn't know what they were talking about. And if these people would just listen to the brilliant Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with her economics degree, and Gerald Nadler, who, who always tells the truth. I mean, the man is like, uh, George Washington, he just can't tell a lie, you know? And when you watch him and you listen to him and you see how he operates, I mean, you can't help but just have a complete sense of trust in this man. Like, he has your best interest in, at heart, like America's best interest. When you put he and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez together, I, I, it's like Captain Planet. It's like the truth of Captain Planet. Earth, wind, and fire come together, and you can't believe your eyes and ears you're staring straight at such virtue that you think you'll never be able to open your eyes again because what comes will never live up to what was seen. And that's what we have with these intrepid characters. And on a more realistic note, what was the news conference? Yeah, you guessed it through my irony and my sarcasm. It was the snarky, know-it-all AOC sitting there uh, sniping at the good people of New York City who do not want these immigrants pouring over at the rate that they are and overwhelming their city, sniping at them and telling them what they should believe and what they should think, and Nadler doing the same. And they're talking complete nonsense. They, they really are. Here are the facts. Um, the economic problem of illegal immigration cannot be denied. I'll say at the outset, culturally, there's something interesting that will happen with the immigrants from South America, I actually think they carry very good cultural values that may be what America needs in the long run. They don't buy into this woke nonsense. They do not like ultra-progressivism. And so they're rather conservative in their traditional values that may help the country, but they have another set of values economically and another set of circumstances that are going to harm this country and are harming this country. 
they use welfare and means-tested uh, programs at a much greater rate than the native-born population. Actually, at twice the rate, if you want to know the truth. You can go to the Center for Immigration Studies and find those facts uh, out in plain daylight. And the reason for that, I thought to myself, is likely that they have no cultural opposition to that, no cultural economic opposition. They come from a collectivist culture that views a social safety net as an embedded feature of life, not as an aberrant condition that you use now and again. That's a real problem. So we have, say, millions of people flowing over the border who are going to use means-tested welfare programs, and then they're going to take whatever money they earn and send it back to family in Mexico, exporting U.S. dollars out of the economy. Folks, this cannot continue. We've been doing this for too long, and our leaders are really lying to us. If they even understand what I just said, I'm not so sure AOC even understands what I just said. She is so dim, it must be said, even with her economics degree, she clearly wasn't paying attention. She was, uh, I don't know, smoking bongs out of apples before she was going to class. She must have been, because she didn't absorb anything from her four-year degree from, what was it, NYU? And, uh, so where does that leave us? Well, you have to recognize these things so you can properly set up the administration for, for illegal immigration. We can't have an open border. They're pouring over. We can't. Why wouldn't people who are in one economic system that is suboptimal not want to come to the American economic system, especially when they know that you can do this? Step right over the border, have a child, and then you can have chain migration. Folks, we cannot survive like this. It's just an economic reality. That's all. It's an economic reality. Moreover, there are some claims that you need to be able to debunk on first sight. One of the claims is that they are asylum seekers. Okay, let's pick that apart from its just basic absurdity. If 7 million people, and it's many more millions than that over the years, are claiming asylum, asylum from what? Political persecution and violence? That is on the level of genocide. That is a greater number than the Jews who were killed in uh, parts of Europe during World War II. Don't you think we would have evidence of that going on in South America? I'm not saying it's a peaceful place. It's a terrible place in many areas. But don't you think we would have evidence of that, that there is roving violence that is forcing people to uh, make caravans up towards the United States? No, we just see the caravans with claims of asylum. And the idea that we're going to be able to process asylum claims in our judicial system for 14 million people is not reality. We're going to have to have field camps where we turn people away and put them back over the border and say, listen, you can't come over. There's people waiting in line, doing it the right way. And we have to be able to honor those efforts. And okay, other problems of impact absorption are as follows. Most of these people have very low levels of literacy, even in their native language of Spanish, let alone English. And what do you think is going to happen when you flood them into the economic system as well as the educational system? Well, in already struggling urban schools that are failing to catch up and have an enormous academic skills gap, you're going to flood in people who can't even speak their native language properly. What do you think that's going to do to the schools where we already have struggling minority people? It's going to make their journey even harder. And no wonder Eric Adams has turned tail and said that the migrant wave is going to destroy New York City. But what is he doing elsewise? Well, he's setting up a $20 million per month 
reception center on Randall's Island, and the taxpayers will pay for it. And his uh, congresspeople and senators statewide are, are now claiming that the rich need to be taxed for the absorption of this migrant administrative influx. That's right, folks, the rich, the rich, the rich. As you're listening, that might mean you. What is rich now in Orwell's America? Is it 100000 Is it 200000 It seems like that number keeps on getting lower and lower, doesn't it? where they make these tax boosts and they claim nobody over 700,000 income will be affected by this. And then the next wave around when someone else makes that claim, they, and no one over 400,000 is going to be affected by this tax hike. And pretty soon it's going to be anyone making over $50,000 is greedily clutching onto their money, their clingers. Yeah, that's where it's headed. I mean, what do you think happens when the people who have these highfalutin utopian plans for society reach the end of the pragmatic possibility of those things unfolding? Well, they go on a search for money to make them more realistic. When they realize their childhood fantasies of complete omnipotent niceness can't actually manifest in reality, they go searching for the assets of other people to help them make their dreams come true. And so that's why you have the people like the mayor of the sanctuary city of Los Angeles saying that she's really scared that there's going to be planes of illegal aliens arriving in Los Angeles. Folks, what is this woman's reality testing capacity? Planes? They're just driving up. In San Diego, at the border at San Ysidro, the largest border crossing in the world, you have millions of people walking across and then making their way up to Los Angeles and other parts of California. They're already there, mayor. Your city is already crumbled. So, she's late to the party. And okay, so we have a country that can't deal properly with a very basic issue, actually. Think about this. Borders are a very basic issue. There are other things that are more complicated, like Keynesian economics versus uh, supply-side economics, and how to deal with that, and how to um, manage the military-industrial complex, and reduce that while also maintaining our global presence and power. Those are really complex issues, but maintaining a border... Pretty easy, and we can't seem to do it. Maybe that's why we can't seem to maintain the border between acceptable behavior and criminal behavior. If anyone is paying attention, you're pretty angry about a video of these two Las Vegas young men. It must be said they are black young men who mowed over on video, laughing while they did it, a retired man riding his bike on the side of the road. This guy happens to be a retired police chief and seems like he lived a pretty good life, um, a decent man, and was missed by his family. And these psychopathic young men mowed him over intentionally and murdered him. It's just a disgusting video. Now, I do not think we should have a moment uh, like a reverse George Floyd. We shouldn't do that. In fact, I didn't want us to do that with George Floyd. I wanted everyone to be tempered and wonder whether that actually, that video represented reality writ large across the evidence in America, and it did not, but no one was paying attention. Okay, yet does this video represent some aspect of reality that we should be concerned about? It actually does. We have an urban-rural crime divide now that is stretching this country far and wide and is dividing this country in ways that we haven't seen in decades. Any one of means is getting out of the city. And if you're listening to me, I recommend that you get the hell out of an urban area. I really do. I think you should get out of the city if you can manage to live somewhere in a safer area outside of crime-ridden pockets of America. Why wouldn't you do that? Uh, we have a 60% reduction 
in new enrollees in our police force. We have record dropout of existing police officers. No one wants to serve. Why would you? Uh, why would you sign up for something where you're protecting your fellow man, and then when you do that, you're going to get prosecuted? I'm not talking about bad cops. There's bad cops all over the place, um, but they're not as numerous as uh, the liberals would have you think, or the far leftists, I should say. Uh, for for the most part, they're, they um, conduct themselves very properly. And so in this video in Las Vegas, we have two psychopathic young men, and, and I, I have no problem stating that. I used to be a prison psychologist when I was starting my practice. I know exactly who these people are, and they need to be executed. All right, it needs to be said. They must be executed. I don't know what Nevada's uh, capital punishment laws are, but they need to be executed. These are absolute killers. And how did our news story report this at first? Well, there were many outlets that said that this man died in a bike crash. He died in a bike accident. Yeah, that's nowhere near the truth. So we have a problem of reality, and then we have a problem of our inability to convey reality to one another through reliable news sources. I suppose that's why you tune in here, because I'm going to give you the real deal where I see it. Crime waves are proliferating everywhere. Recently, there was a, uh, a 23-plus Rolex watches stolen in 20 seconds in broad daylight, and nothing's done. And do you think these people will ever be caught? No, I, I don't think that they will. This was up in Newport Beach. Any urban area in California is out of control, except maybe very wealthy, small enclaves where they can afford to beef up their police system. But this is what's happening in the country at present. You could be in the middle of a store and all of a sudden a flash mob comes in, steals everything off the shelves, and whacks you in the head for, uh, for good measure before they uh, pop out. And so what exactly is going to happen in the future of this country? I, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. We have a, a, an absence of the capacity to test reality properly. You can look at the two news stories that I was just speaking to you about, our criminal justice policies. There are people who believe that the immense crime wave in the urban communities is simply due to some sort of a racist, unjust uh, criminal justice system. And without that injustice, that crime rates in those communities would be perfectly at the same level as other communities. It's just, it's not reality. And the evidence is everywhere. Uh, there are greater minds than mine who have studied that issue at length. Look at Raphael Mangual, Barry Latzer. They've done a wonderful job detailing that. And um, where else can you look for the absence of the capacity to test reality? Well, uh, let's look at a few stories in California. We are now blowing up dams on the Klamath River. That's right. We're not building new dams. We're not going to uh, build new hydroelectric power sources. We haven't built a new dam in 40 years, by the way, even though our population has skyrocketed. And we let some of our snowpack, a great amount of our fresh water, flow right out into the ocean. This is just basic civil engineering that we can't seem to do. And basic, like the border, we can't seem to do it. Uh, so what's going on in, in, in the great state of California? Well, we're going to have to drive electric vehicles by 2035. And we're nowhere close to having sustainable energy uh, producing power for the grid. We haven't even considered building a new power plant. There was an initiative to close down our only remaining power plant. Just last summer, Gavin Newsom said, by 2035, you're only going to be able to drive an EV in California. And then what happened? Two weeks later, he said, please don't charge your EVs. It's overwhelming the grid. Folks, this is a level of social psychosis that is represented at the top, but is representative of all of us. Why have we become so unable 
to deal with the problem of looking at reality squarely. Obviously, anyone paying attention knows that you have to gradually shift into alternative energy if those things are even possible. But it doesn't matter because the childlike utopians have an idea that they want to be reality. And so the fact that it's not realistically possible really doesn't matter. And if it doesn't work out, they're just going to say it's rich people and we need to tax them more. This is the formula. Okay, let's look at an absurd story. The energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, was on a tour promoting electric vehicles when, well, she couldn't actually keep doing the drive across the country and she had to have a gas-powered car, part of her staff, go up and block the entrance to a charging station because otherwise she would not have been able to keep going. And who did she block? She blocked a family with an infant on a hot day from getting in and charging their car. And this person had to call the police. And this is what's going on in this country right now, folks. We have these heads of state, these people who have a program that they need to make people see is good. And if there's any kind of reality that stops them from showing you that that program they have is good and that you should do it, they're going to force reality to bend to their will. And that's what happened here. She couldn't charge the car. She knew it was going to be a long line. And by the way, imagine what California is going to look like when we have just electric vehicles. Imagine trying to charge your car in Los Angeles when everybody else needs to charge their car. Folks, this is not possible. Okay, I would love to have cleaner energy and so forth. I think that's a great thing to aspire toward if we have the realistic ability to do it. Just imagine you're, try you're driving up the five, you're going somewhere. How long does it take to charge a car? How long does it take? 20 minutes? 30 minutes? 40 minutes? Even if it's 15 minutes, say it gets quicker, which is unlikely that it will, how on earth are you going to have a 15-minute fill, 20-minute, 30-minute fill, so to speak, to charge your car in highly condensed city centers? You're going to have lines like the 1970s gas, uh, gas rations. You're not going to see anything like this. This is not realistic. It's not possible. And yet, how are they going to make it possible? Again, there's the formula. Not realistic? Well, we're going to force it to be realistic. Okay, what's going to happen is you're going to have a rationed charging frequency. And you heard it here first, folks. I would not be surprised if the utopians in California tried to solve this pragmatic problem by making you less pragmatic as an individual. What I mean by that is that it's very likely that by 2035, when they have this full EV mandate uh, coming down the pike, whether that happens or not, uh, say it does, the way they're going to solve the problem of not being able to have people charge at these stations, because it's going to take way too long, and it's going to overwhelm the high-voltage grid, no question about it, is they're probably going to disperse to each citizen a state-granted charging card. And you're going to have to swipe this card at every charging station you want to use. And that card is going to have built into it a frequency in which you're going to be able to charge your vehicle at a charging station. Okay? Uh, and that frequency is going to be whatever it is, five times per month, ten times per month, I don't know. But uh, if you try to exceed it, you won't be able to activate the charging station. That's how this is going to go. That's how they're going to deal with the problem of the impracticality of the charging station issue, as I'd mentioned. And uh, electric vehicles are going to be lauded as they are now, as this pious, 
uh, rhymes with Prius, that's kind of conspicuous, huh? That's this pious new way of living, even though their net carbon emissions from the mining of the batteries and everything else that goes into them actually seems to exceed that of gasoline engines from what I can tell. And given that we don't have the capacity to store energy at night, it probably will also be incentivized through state subsidies that you plug your car back into the grid at night at your home so that you can feed the grid with the charge in your car. So you get the pattern. There is a problem of reality that the utopians do not want to recognize, and they rationalize their inability to comport with reality by pretending that it is somebody else who is the problem and who just isn't making their utopian vision for cultural sublimity manifest the way that they would like. That's what's happening with crime, with immigration, with energy. We have such a problem in this country that we cannot seem to stand not being gratified in our own political and economic and social outlook that we try to warp reality in order to meet the internal requirement for a sort of naive sublimity. And that's, that's where we are right now in our minds, in our collective minds, at least with respect to the utopians. So, okay. I feel a little less angry, actually. I feel a little less perturbed. Thank you for listening. This is almost like a therapy session in reverse. And I'm getting that from you, just from speaking to you. Okay, folks. Well, very soon I'm going to be converting Real Clear as, as a program into a member-supported site. I thank you all for your listenership over the years. And hopefully you'll convert to a paid membership and get these daily releases every time your little heart desires. Talk to you soon. Be well.